What's up? It's Marcus. And just a quick note, Create and Orchestrate is live. You can get it today at Amazon. And for a very short period of time, it is available for 99 cents on the Kindle. So uh, that is a complete steal. Go grab it today if you haven't already. And also, I'm selling signed copies as well as commemorative t-shirts for the launch at my own e-commerce store, creativepower.co. That's creativepower.co. So go get it today. And now for the episode of Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe. This is Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe. Like you got to do the work. You got to show up and just do the work. What's good? What's good? What's good? Happy Tuesday. Another episode of Marcus Whitney Live. Happy to have y'all back. Um, I'm excited about my guest today because, uh, you know, occasionally in this world of being in startups, you know, you uh, you will sign up for to be a customer of a startup, you know, and I bought a TV and I was looking at the price of the warranty and I was like, mm, I want to protect it, but I don't want to pay that price. So I like actually like Google, how do you actually get a warranty for a TV and not have to get it directly through the retailer? And I found this platform called Upsea. This was two years ago when I uh, moved into my new house and um, it was the simplest thing ever. Went to the website, hooked it up and then boom, I had a warranty and I was like super happy about it. And so, um, you know, two years later, uh, one of my best friends in the world, Sean, uh, I asked him, hey, man, I'm looking for great guests for the show. You know, I'm looking for great founders, great um, entrepreneurs, innovators. And he was like, yo, my man Clarence. And then I looked at him up and I was like, yo, this is the CEO of Upsy. This is amazing. Um, so without further ado, man, let's introduce my man Clarence, the CEO of Upsy. What's up, man? What's up, man? Hey, what's up, Mark? Thank you so much for having me on and for being a customer, man. Yeah, man. No, look, the service is fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you on and talk about your story and how you got here. Um, so I did a fair amount of research, you know, after, uh, you know, looking at your LinkedIn and everything like that. And, and now, you know, I want to hear more about your story, how you actually got this company off the ground and you were, you were, uh, in a tech stars, um, uh, cohort. So I want to hear about that. So, you know, catch us up, man. How, how did you get to this point? Yeah, man. So, you know, I, I tell the story often, man. I'm from Decatur, Georgia, which is about 10, 15 minutes outside of Atlanta. Um, grew up there. Um, and, you know, like the whole, you know, for a kid that grew up in Decatur, you kind of already know the story, right? Like yeah. grew up, you know, hustling, um, you know, trying to survive, um, trying to figure out what life is. I'm fortunate at the same time, I was a decent basketball player. Um, and that, that's what kind of got me out of that environment when I was a young man. Um, but I was I was still a knucklehead when I left. But I, I got up and actually went to Kansas to to play JUCO basketball, and uh, didn't survive there because I you know I just had no discipline. So I ended up going back home to the streets. Um, just kind of jumped around like that for a while, um, and then um, you know fast forwarding to you know about God like 2007 2008, um, I met the former CEO of a Fortune 500 company um, that kind of changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, and, and gave me some um, some really clear indicators of what I could be with the talents that I had, you know, from the streets growing up. Um, and and he instilled you know a sense of confidence in me that I didn't have it myself. Um, and that that's kind of how this thing you know started with me. I, I, how my life kind of started in this trajectory. Okay, so uh, first of all, 
I, I love the fact that we both went to college and we're not mature enough to actually handle that experience. So, <laughs> so I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Um, talk to me about how you ended up crossing paths with this fortune 500 CEO. Like how did that even happen for you? Yeah, man, actually I was at the time I was coaching basketball and doing sales for a basketball Academy here in town. And um, he brought his three kids, his three sons, to, wow. to play basketball there. Wow. Um, and it was, it was just kind of one of these, like, you know, you, you you do the right thing for long enough. You know, like, once you get on that right path, you just say, you know, like, none of these right things are making me money. None of these things are really moving forward. But I'm going to continue to do the right things. And he, he noticed me out of, you know, a lot of people in, in the gym. He noticed me and was like, I feel like you have something special. Um, wow. and, and I want to be helpful and, and, and that, that's kind of what changed my life. Wow. That's amazing. So, uh, so let's, let's go to the next step. I mean, okay. So, so now, now you have somebody who's pouring into you, who's, who's, yeah. you know, you're not just going off of internal. Now you're getting external validation that that's serious, but what's, yeah. what's the next step? Cause it still feels like it's a pretty long, you know, jump from there to CEO of a tech company that's been up and running successfully for multiple years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of it was was learning. You know, I, I often talk about being a voracious learner, like just like like at any turn I want to learn it. Um, and and throughout about nine and a half years of, of him mentoring me, uh, you know, I remember times where I would go to his house at like midnight and be like, "Hey, man, like I got questions about this business book that I just read," and I would keep him up to <laughs> you know like all kinds of night just asking questions huh. and during that time it was just like a lot of like harvard level mba type learning over that time in, in the real world um and he told me when we first met he's like man i see like one day i think you're going to be a ceo of your own company and like you're going to be able to do something special you're going to lead people um and it was just like breathing life into me right like like you can do all of these things and um that's kind of what, what led me to you know wanting to start up see because i like i saw the problem that we could solve and I was like, well, now I got all the confidence. I got all the resources. I know, you know, I know what I need to do. And, and, and I went and did it. And fortunately, um, you know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, we're still alive and we're still here. Okay. So, so let's, let's talk about what Upsy is. Give the elevator pitch. And then I'm going to start to kind of dive into this industry because I'm fascinated that you can even do this business, quite frankly. Right. So, like that it's right. even a possibility. So I, I want to get into the mechanics of it, but, but let's just, let's do the uh, elevator pitch. What is Upsy? Yeah. So, you know, we've all gone to a big box store, you check out and somebody at the restaurant offer you a high price warranty, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, but normally there's three things that are happening. One, you're paying as much as 900% more than you should. Um, so to give you an example, you're buying that TV for, for $900 and they will say, Hey, the big box store will say, Hey, for $130 for two years, we can protect that TV. Where really that warranty only costs ten dollars, fifteen dollars from the insurance company. Um, so we were like, hey, let's we can solve that problem. Um, two, there's no transparency. So I'm guessing when you were when they were offering you the warranty, they didn't tell you what was covered or what not was covered. Or mm -hmm. here's what you need to do if you need to make a claim. They don't tell you any of that. Um, and then three, the, the 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 biggest problem is service. So like knowing where your warranty is and knowing where your receipt is, because you need your receipt to make a claim. So understanding like all of that, they don't tell you any of that. Um, and so we wanted to solve those three problems for consumers. Um, and, and, you know, we, we think we're doing it pretty well today. Man, those are, those are really big problems. Um, because 
there there's there's definitely different kinds of people who make these kinds of pur- purchases at a at a big box store, right? You know, um, a TV, a computer, right? You know what I mean? So for me, like I've I've set up my whole office with you know audiovisual stuff. So you know, you make an investment in a piece of equipment. You try for me, I I try to spend that little extra bit of money and really take care of the thing. And for me, part of taking care of it is the warranty. Period. Right. End of story. But like when you make that purchase for the warranty, that the tracking of the warranty is a nightmare. Okay, right. it, it is just a complete right. nightmare. It's it's always different systems. Some of them you got to like email it in. Some of them you got to like phone right. it in. Some of them you got to mail it in. Some of it right. is like an online form for some third party website that's you know you're going down like right. all these different drop downs and stuff like that. So talk about because I think this is really important. I think a lot of people look at people like you who have started a company, right? And A, they're like, wow, I don't even know how you knew that that could happen. But B, like, like talk about how the idea happened. Like, yeah. like how, how did you get the idea and really start to go down the rabbit hole of understanding the industry and the ins and outs and knowing how much overcharging, you know, you know these companies were doing and how you might be able to buy and sell the same warranty and manage these warranties. Like, how, how, talk about that, that part. Yeah, so... The, the 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 funny story is I was uh, this guy was mentoring me um, and so the, the company was Best Buy and so Best Buy is the largest seller of warranties in the world like they they do billions of dollars a year in warranty sales and so because of my relationship with him I got a chance to see that industry behind the scenes mm. and so like I, I remember a question I asked him in an office. I said, Hey, like, why do you guys sell a warranty that costs $450? I mean, that costs $50 for $450. And I remember his answer. His answer was like very much about like the consumer being so stupid. Like we can charge <laughs> this because it's on a $2,000 laptop. Um, and I remember thinking like, well, consumers are not that stupid. We're in a new age of technology where the internet is kind of all knowing. Um, and when I looked at the landscape, I was like, everybody is trying to take advantage of the consumer. What if we can create something that didn't do that? What if we created something that um, in, invoked your loyalty in, in the warranty? And it, it was funny because people would say, like, warranties are not sexy. And I'm like, no, they, they're not meant to be sexy. What they are meant to be is to be there when you need it. So if you break that TV, you got to know that Upsy is going to be here and we're going to either replace it. We're going to repair it or we're going to cut you a check so you can buy another one. Right. Um, and so we want to invoke that that confidence with our, our our customers. And and so that's how I got started in it, like really trying to understand like why they did what they did. And then once I saw that the reason why they were doing what they were doing, because of greed, I was like, oh, somebody needs to disrupt this. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So so now let's talk about steps from there. Uh, and, and that was a great story, just knowing that you learned about it from the same guy who inspired you to be able to do it. Like, you know, you learned about the, the industry itself and you found the problem. Um, and I love that you're doing something that actually looks out for the, con- for the consumer. Right. I mean, that's, that's like, we need more innovators out there looking out for the consumer for sure. Um, but you know, talk about the next steps, right? I mean, you, you are uh, a graduate of, of tech stars and for, for people mm-hmm. out there who, who don't know, um, you know, I, I, I'm one of the co-founders of jumpstart foundry. We're a healthcare uh, innovation early stage fund we write seed and series a checks but when we first started when jumpstart first started in 2009 
um, we were an accelerator and we actually got the playbook for how to be an accelerator. Like literally David Cohen sent us via email, the playbook uh, from right. Techstars, and, and this was before Techstars was, was more than just in Boulder. This was when they were just right. in Boulder back then. So Techstars is now, you know, one of the top two accelerator brands in the world um, with, yep. with uh, locations all over the world. Um, and so to get into Techstars is a real, like important badge of approval, you know, for an early stage startup. Um, so you were able to, to get into Techstars and graduate, like talk about that process. Yeah. Techstars was amazing, man. Like, so we, we got, I never thought I would be able to get in first of all. (laughs) And, and simply because like in our town, we didn't have any Minnesota companies in Techstars. So every company that came here was from out of town or from, from overseas. Um, and so once we got in, I knew for me after the first week that this was an education that there was no amount of money or no amount of equity that you could pay to get this. So while I had formal business training uh, with the guy I was talking about before, what I didn't understand is like unit economics and LTV and CAC and like all those things that go into the, the, a business. <clears throat> and But I, I knew that we had something special. And so when I got into Techstars, man, it was it was like my mind was blown about like how this program in 13 weeks could teach you how to literally run your business. Um, and it, it changed our company's trajectory. Um, and it changed my trajectory as a founder because I, why I had all those, um, all those, like those skills that, that you can't teach. Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have like the, the founder CEO skills and that's what it taught me. Yeah. And, and, and you can learn those skills. I mean, I think that's like super, yep. super important, right? Um, yep. that, that's, that's something I try to get across in my book is that there are, there are so many people out there who are likely to be entrepreneurs based on their personality and like their upbringing, you know, like they're, they're just, they're just natural born hustlers. Like they know how to sell. They, they, they have the confidence, they have the willingness that they connect selling with like food on the table. So they're not afraid of it, you know, of, of like getting out right. there and getting it in the mud, but but there's a whole school of entrepreneurship that you don't have to go get an MBA program to understand. It's like you said, right. the internet is like king, right? So, right. you know, you you can get this information if someone's just, just willing to break it down, make it accessible and create like a pathway for you. You can learn these things. Like anyone can learn these things and technology in particular, once you can, once you combine tech and entrepreneurship, you really start to get into an area where, um, there is much more opportunity, but I don't, I don't want to say the sky is the limit. Cause I now want to turn the conversation to your experience as a black founder, a black tech founder yep. in venture capital, right? Because, yep. um, a, as someone who is on the side of the table, who, who writes the checks, I know about my industry. I know about my colleagues and we, a, there's not enough venture capitalists that look like me for, right. for starters. And B, you know, my, my industry is not writing enough checks to people of color and, and yep. women. Right. So, so, so talk about how that experience has been uh, for you sort of post tech stars. Yeah. So, you know, so <laughs> I think that when you look at like what's happening and I'm be specific to black founders, right. Cause like we're, we're, Do it. I'm black. So that's what I know. Yeah. Um, like, so Brad Fell just put out a thing like last night where a founder, he had a founder on his blog speaking about um, how black founders are judged differently than, um, than white founders. It's like, like you expect to give me $2 million 
and you give this white founder $70 million and you expect us to have the same results, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that's that's just not realistic. And, you know, we all know the stats, less than 1% of venture fund goes to African-Americans. Um, and so like, I think that just speaks to the, to the problem. Um, I asked a, a, a white VC a few weeks ago, I said 75% of dollars go to just white men in tech. I was like, is what you're telling me that white men are 75 times better I I just can't believe that. Right. Right. Um, And so like, you know, we, we got, we need more guys like you, you know, (laughs) like cutting checks, right. Who, and and who have like real check cutting capability, right. Ability. Yeah. And, and and not just like, I'm a partner, but I really don't get to to make a decision type deal. Yes. Um, And we we need, we we need to invest in more black women because they're the, the fastest growing um, business segment, segment in this this tech thing, and they're killing it. I mean, I, I can name so many black women founders who are killing it right now. Um, and so, like, I, I just feel like I put that pressure on myself, and I say I got to be, <clears throat> I got to be the best, right? Like, I, I can't be average. Um, I got, I got to be, I got to know my numbers. I got to know my business. You know, I got to be, you know, the most crazy advocate for our customers, um, and I got to control my controllables. Um, but like there, there's obviously there's a huge, 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 huge problem um, going on with with um, you know you know black people trying to get money in, in tech, um, and and really I think it's so massive that like we are like 10, 20 years away from it seeing it, like seeing some type of results. But you know I think it starts with with guys like yourself. You know we need more black people writing checks and understanding the problems like. I, when I look at a lot of venture firms and you talk about weave, like women's weave, right? And how many people didn't understand Maven right. when it first launched? Right. Right. And it's like, but to, to you and I, it's like, well, of course, because our mom, our sister, our, <laughs> like, like we know what they spent, right? Yes. Yes. And so um, we, we, we just need, we need more representation on, on your side of the table. Um, and we need, you know, founders of color to continue to kill it. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree. And, uh, and that is something I'm working on. <laughs> I'm for sure working on it because uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think also, you know, that it's like the capital is is only so much of it. Right. You know, um, you know, I want to kind of go back to the beginning of your the sort of the the turning point in your story, which was meeting that person who mentored you and really like sponsored you and shepherded you to the point where you you were well equipped to launch the company, get into, you know, to get into tech stars and all of those kinds of things. Um, it, you know, th- there has to be sponsorship too, right? You know what I mean? And that yep. sponsorship often takes either someone who's got an incredible moral compass, right? Where they really are void of most prejudices or someone yep. who has an intimate knowledge of what the person is going through and what they're experiencing. Right. And I think that's another reason why you have to have more black people on the check writing side of the table, because the advocacy is going to be more effective. You know, the understanding of what needs to happen in order to help this person be successful is going to be more built in. So, um, that is a, that's, that's a big thing that we, we have to work on and, um, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm going to send you something like after this show, um, I want your Please feedback do. on. It's very specific to healthcare uh, because in healthcare we've got even more issues uh, than even the, right. the most you know the, the the standard industries in tech. But um, but I'm going to send yeah. that to you anyway. Let's 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 keep chopping it up, man. So, um, you you mentioned quickly that you're in Minneapolis, um, yep. and that that evokes lots of feelings for me right now. You know, in 2020. Um, but I but I think there's 
there's two places I want to go with that. One, um, I want to just talk about what you have seen uh, change, at least in terms of the conversation around uh, black tech founders and access to capital. You know, there have certainly been many, many things that have been announced, many discussions that have happened. You know, I can just think of like Nate Jones's fund uh, at Andreessen and Horowitz, you know, um, Kobe and everybody over at uh, Valence and like, you know, the, the Valence Investor Network, you know, what's happening yep. there. So there have been these announcements. There have been uh, things that are that are there's certainly things that are happening, right? You know, Jewel Burke just, just closed on, on collab capital 50 million. Um, and I saw you were recently featured in an article, um, you know, talking about this topic. But you also just said it's going to be 10 to 20 years before any like meaningful change happens, which I think is a very sober, honest look at it because it is, it is a multi-generational thing. Right. But but help me to sort of understand how you feel things have meaningfully changed just in the last 90 120 days like what 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 have you felt change in the, you know that that's real yeah I, I would say the biggest thing that's changed over the last more specific since the george floyd thing so you know we're looking at like six weeks ago yeah um the thing that's changed the biggest is a conversation right like and the conversation used to just be you and i right because we were right, black right well now what's happening that conversation has moved to to white people to white vcs to you know all the way across the spectrum and I, I think there's been a light shined on like the problem in this country, like the George Floyd thing. You know, I, like, again, I grew up around crime and balance and, you know, I've, I've seen some things. I don't think for most of the world, they've ever seen a, a man die for eight minutes and 46 seconds in front of them like that. Um, and so that, and that has invoked conversation. That I think people are like, we need to have the conversation because we can't see that again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's how they talk about how like like cracking the black neighborhood is not really talked about, but the minute it hit the white neighborhood, everybody want to talk about it, right? right. And I think that's right. what happened. Um, th- this has become like a national and a human rights problem. So I think the biggest thing that changes just the conversation that we can like more for even if you're you're on Twitter, like the conversations that are happening openly on Twitter that I don't think would have happened eight weeks ago. Um, it has been awesome to see. Well, take that to a more personal level, because, you know, one thing I know is that there are so few of us in positions of uh, power in tech. And and I consider you to be in a position of power as a CEO of your own company. Right. Like, you know, you know, there are so few of us in positions of power in tech that, you know, for me, my experience the week after, uh, you know, everything really sort of went down in Minneapolis, right. Uh, was I got all these inbound calls, you know, specifically from white men who are in positions of power who know me. (laughs) And it's like, I'm the closest black person they know. Right. Right. And so they're calling me to kind of be like, are we really that far apart? You know what I mean? Like, like, is this really like, tell me, Marcus, like, like how serious is this? You know, did you get those calls? Right. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you that first week, week and a half, I spent more time fielding those calls than I did working on Upsy. No doubt. doubt. It it was, was, I mean, it was, it was emotional. It was like, literally I would hang up the phone and another call would come from somebody wanting to talk. And, and it was, it was, at first I think it was great for me. I was like, man, like, like, this is cool. Like people are seeing the problem. But then, you know, you turn around and you're like, well, I haven't worked on my business in a week. 
Like I haven't, I haven't been there for my team in a week. You know, they're emotional because they're led by a black founder. So they're feeling my pressure, right? Every time we, we get on the phone call. Um, and so but I just finally got to the point where I was like, hey man, you need to go read White Fragility and, and, and start there. And then, you know, then, then I think you'll learn what you need to learn. But I mean, it was just like you, man. Like it was nonstop for about two weeks. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure like I was having an experience that was, that was a shared experience. Cause man, that, that first, that first week and a half, it died down after about a week and a half, but that first week and a half, boy, that was like, it was intense. It was intense. It was. So, it so, was. so now let's, let's, let's maybe shift to the other topic around Minneapolis, which was, um, man, your city has been through a lot. You know, it has been uh, in many ways, the epicenter of change, for the country that you know this will go down in history books for a long time but as you said we're only six weeks out it's crazy that we're only six weeks out i mean like you know time is weird right now for a lot of reasons and i I can't really wrap my head around the fact that it's only been that long uh but man that makes me wonder even more you know given all of the uh the, the changes that your city has gone through, man, how, how are things in Minneapolis? You know, the, it's, you're, Minneapolis is not in the media sort of story of the moment right now. You know, we're talking about right. the rise in coronavirus and a lot of stuff about around the, the, the political race and things like that. You know, what's, what's happening in Minneapolis now in, in, in this aftermath? Yeah. yeah uh, a lot of healing is, is, is like, we're trying to heal as a city. Um, you know, our neighborhoods have been, you know, burnt down. Our city has been burnt down. Um, grocery stores have been burnt down. And if you think about your life today, like you can probably walk out your house and within 10 minutes be at a grocery store to, to stock your fridge. Um, and those communities can no longer do that. Um, so we've been doing, you know, everything that we possibly can um, to help those people. So, you know, taking groceries to the city, to the people, right? Like buying diapers, taking them to the city, feeding the city, like everything that we can do to be engaged with the city, um, we've been trying to do. Um, you know, people are hurt, man. Like, again, like, when something like this happened, and it's not, you know, this being a black man, like, this ain't the first time this is this has happened. I think this is just the first time this has happened in such, like, a loud, like, like literally, there, there couldn't have been a louder way for this to happen. It just so happened to happen in Minneapolis. Um, so, like, we, we are, the city's still a little bit on edge, right? We, we're still on edge, because, like, you, you already know the game. Like, okay, so you arrested him. You know, you charged them. Now is the, the final piece. Like, will they be convicted? Uh, and so the city, I think the city will be on edge until those convictions comes through. Uh, what I can say, and I say this, you know, and I hope I'm wrong, knock on wood, uh, but if they don't get convicted, I, I think we're going to see another uprising and uh, we're going to be bigger than what we saw before. Uh, look, man, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, I think you'd have a lot of people betting alongside you on that. And, um, you know, because it just uh, it, it it would just make people feel like there is no justice. You know, and we right. all watched it. So there's nothing to. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's no excuses. There's no there's no alternative judgment to come down with. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, uh, yes, they've been arrested. Yes, they've been charged. And now that you're right. The final piece is the conviction. And, and um, you know, I I I. I hope and pray for your city and quite frankly, for many more. I don't, I don't think it'll be limited to Minneapolis. Should, should that decision be incorrect? You know, I, I, I think, agree. I think that's going to be nationwide. Uh, 
you know, uh, uprest, uh, unrest and, and upheaval. Uh, no question, you know, no question. I, so, I, I, I agree. If, if, if this doesn't go the way it, sh- it the way it should go, if, the way, the way, the way it should go. Uh, well, uh, but I'm gonna be even more specific here. If this doesn't go the way that it would go for you and I, right? If we had done that, right, right, right. Like if it doesn't go that way, right, then we we have a problem because I think you and I both know if that was you and I, oh, dude, like we would already it, be guilty. It, it, it would be done. Th- 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 that yeah. case would be. <laughs> that yep. case would be done. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so I think that's what. Ju- that's what we want, right? Like we just, we just want it. We want the same justice that you would put on us. Yeah, yeah, and, and also like because it's all been captured on film, justice. <laughs> like it's just justice, right? It's just like what right. what needs to happen, right? It's just what right. needs to happen. So, so man, um, you know, look, I I know, uh, I I know this for a fact because I have recently spoken to, um the students at Kenzie Academy, which is a great tech tech school, um, you know, that, that has a very, very strong focus on, uh, you know, teaching diverse populations about uh, technology to help them achieve economic mobility. A lot of people that, are, that have picked up my book, you know, um, I, like I know there are so many people who right now are, are in this moment where, man, the economy is really weird. There's so much unemployment. And, you know, I know that entrepreneurs – um, especially tech entrepreneurs, we are experiencing something very, very different, right? Because the internet is still up and running, you know what I mean? And e-commerce right. is still happening, right? And so right. what encouragement would you would you give for people who are, you know, are, are trying to lean into their optimism, but also, you know, are probably a pretty long way away, you know, may, maybe they're in the position where, where you were when you were just coaching basketball, you know what I mean? Right. What would you say for people who are trying to kind of navigate things and figure out, you know, how they're going to um, be able to participate in this in this world that you and I live in? Yeah. So <clears throat> first thing I would say is <clears throat> lean in to those feelings. Like, I don't think there's nothing wrong with being scared and, and, and not knowing your path. Um, and I would go back to my situation finding a mentor, somebody that you, that believes in you more than you believe in yourself, because that's what's happening, right? Like you, you really, you're not super comfortable. You don't understand what you need to do. Um, and I would say like, go out and be uncomfortable. Not actually go out because of Corona, but like, <laughs> like, but like, like, like find yourselves in, in, in rooms and zoom rooms that you don't feel comfortable in um, and, and connect with people. Like, I think the world, like nobody gets to where they need to get to without help. Like we're all at every step, you know, like you, you, you are, you are a, a step and a part of my journey. Right. And like, when, when I look at that, I look at every person as like, this person is on this journey with me and I need to be able to respect that. And so go out and try to find those people and be active about it. And that's where I would start. That's, that's great guidance and a great note to leave on. So everybody out there, um, First of all, like you need to learn about this company. The, the, like if you care about warranties like I do, and I even need to like go back and like re-engage with this company because it really does solve so many problems. And also, you know, follow this guy, man. This guy is an inspiration. What he's doing is is really, really meaningful, and he's blazing trails for many, many other, you know, people of color who are seeking to leverage technology and to be their own CEOs, not just to 
you know, code in those companies, but to lead those companies. So like I said, follow him, Clarence underscore Bethia on Twitter. You can find him on LinkedIn and upsy.com. That's the company. Clarence, thank you for being here, my man. Um, really, really appreciate it. Uh, everybody, y'all know I got the book, Create and Orchestrate, out now. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it at my site, creativepower.co. Go check it out. The podcast, Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe, everywhere that you get podcasts, go go grab it, go subscribe. I need those downloads to grow, grow, grow. So please go subscribe um, and follow me online everywhere at Marcus Whitney. That's it. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with another episode of Marcus Whitney Live. I appreciate y'all. Let's build a new normal. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe. Great Convo Media is a progressive new podcast network focused on culturally diverse and culturally relevant content. Founded by podcasters for podcasters, Great Convo Media is all about building fun and entertaining shows with passion and purpose. Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe is a proud founding member of the Great Convo Media family of shows. If you like what we're doing, fantastic. Support us by sliding on over to greatconvo.com. There you can check out this and other shows on the network. While you're there, please be sure to use the tabs to subscribe to all of the shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you catch your favorite podcasts. Great Convo Media, where the chatter matters.